the Bellator women's flyweight title was on the line. Step one of the LFA global expansion was a success. And the UFC fight night was a ton of fun, as I expected, for a card that was flying under the radar. Welcome to Cage Minds MMA Show. Start off looking back at last weekend's action with looking at Bellator 262, the women's flyweight title on the line in the main event, the unbeaten champion Juliana Velasquez defending against Bellator kickboxing champion Denise Kilholtz. And it was Velasquez and her jab, it was her pressure, but it was also some crazy scoring across the the board when we got to the end of 25 minutes no finishes what I can tell you is that all three judges gave the first round to the challenger to Kielholtz all three judges gave the third round to Velasquez other than that you could see each judge at least one judge scoring the round for each fighter the champion retains via the split decision this one has rematch written all over it the co-main event, UFC veteran Matt Mitrione against the high-level credentialed wrestler Terrell Fortune. And how many times can it happen? How many times, seriously, it happens to Matt Mitrione again? Wall Fortune is on his way in, level changing for the takedown. There is a slight collision of heads. Mitrione is on his back, eventually gets to the turtle position, stuck against the cage, and gets pounded out. Not happy with the finish, not happy about the headbutt. We'll see how the commission reviews it, because obviously you can see the anger from Mitrione. Obviously there will be an appeal filed, and we'll see how the commission deals with it. But as it stands on fight night, Fortune picks up one of the biggest wins of his career. Also on the main card, you saw Australian Arlene Blenkow get her boxing going. A full camp at Jackson Winks paid off getting the stoppage and talking about moving up the rankings and looking great. He's number five ranked at 185 pounds. And Johnny Eblen again put together a dynamic performance, putting a beating on Travis Davis. If you didn't catch the prelims, Cody Law, he's going to be tremendous. Can't wait to see what he does at the higher levels of competition in the bantamweight division. This one on short notice, up in 145. He lets the hands go, and he gets the TKO, talking about letting the hands go. Said Soman, rebounds from a knockout loss in his Bellator debut. With two left hooks and some ground and pound to score the upset, knocking out Hani Marks, the Big Show veteran. The LFA Global Expansion. Step number one, we got to see it this past weekend as the promotion went to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Double header Friday night and Sunday night. Friday night is what we're going to talk about first. LFA 111 Upper Arena, which played host to both events, both main cards as is and has been on UFC Fight Pass. Start out with the main event in Ismail Bonfim. Hands 
Hagen Dessa, the loss by decision, showing off his striking, and then getting to the back, finishing up the fight with a dominant position, a co-main event where Marcos Bruno and Ari de Frejas met, and it was just one big right hand for Marcos Bruno that scored the knockout in 56 seconds. Talking about knockouts, but this one came via the left hand. Beautiful work from Rodrigo Lindo taking care of Arturo Lima. 23 seconds into the second round. In the light heavyweight division, Adolfo Batello, Carlos Eduardo. This one, you saw Batello using his jab, started off doing some damage. Eduardo reacts with the takedown. Massive power from Batello to just shuck him off, push him off, and then crawls on top. From there, starts to land the ground and pound. And as Eduardo gives his back, the rear naked choke finishes up the fight. Not to mention, in women's strawweight action, Yasmin Castan, Castano versus Marstella Alves. This one ends in a submission. Early on, it was Alves with her striking, moving in and out, landing some huge kicks. But she gets taken down, and Costano jumps across from being in half, in half guard to the arm, and then takes home the arm bar. Now, it was Alves putting up quite the fight. This one rolled around for at least a solid minute before Costano gets the finish, going belly down. Nasty stuff with that armbar finish. And in a wild one to open up the main cards, the heavyweights did not disappoint. Eduardo Neves versus Eduardo Silva. And it was Neves with the big clubbing shots, getting the finishes 57 seconds into the first round. We know the global expansion down in Brazil is happening, and there is a load of talent that's now going to be on display for the world to see. And it was just night number one. On to Saturday, we can't forget about the UFC Fight Night. Mahachev versus Moises, the top 15 ranked contenders meeting in the main event. And of course, as expected, this was another step forward in the progressions of Islam Mahachev. Early on, the Dagestani showed his body kicks and his pressure, putting the Brazilian on the cage. Got the takedown four minutes into the round. In the second, we saw the takedown happen even earlier. It was Mahachev actually taking a Moises takedown using a guillotine choke to reverse the position and end the round on top. We get to the third round. We spend the round on the fence. And as they hit the ground, it's Mahachev on top once again. And it's Moises trying to hunt for a leg lock in the last 30 seconds. The fourth round, Mahachev instantly attacking the takedown. Islam putting the pressure on pummeling Moises, having the Brazilian trapped on his knees, getting the left arm under the neck, and finding the fourth round submission win via the rear naked choke. And in the co-main event, it was the return of former UFC women's bantamweight champion Misha Tate taking on the retiring Marion Renault had already announced this would be her last time out. 
and this one was all about Cupcake. Misha Tate showed new improvements to her striking, looked more fluid, more kicks out of her than I've ever seen, and honestly, looked to be in the best physical condition of her life. Got the takedown in each round, and as the three-round affair went on, the takedown came earlier and earlier to the point where in the third round, it happened instantly. Tate would avant to mount and get the TKO victory, and there's a possibility that we could get that Misha Tate-Holly Home rematch, and we both know they're gunning for the rematch with Amanda Nunez. The feature fight, lightweight division, Matush Gamrat versus Octagon veteran Jeremy Stevens. And this was one-way traffic as Gamrat immediately attacked the single leg. Got Jeremy Stevens hopping down, pulled out the leg, got the takedown, went to work. You see Stevens try to grab a Kimura. Uh-oh, that's Gamrat's position. Circles around, gets to that famous position that Demetrius Johnson first showed us where because your opponent went for the Kimura and you're able to get all the way around that you have the ability to go for the Kimura or the armbar, Gamrock gets the submission. The main card also saw in the middleweight division Hadolfo Vieira versus Dustin Stoffels and Vieira, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu master showing off improvements to his jab, showing off more fluidity to striking, found himself in trouble. Stolfutz with a beautiful flying knee to the body to end the first round. Vieira continued, though, to show faith in his striking, busting up Stolfutz in the second round with his jab. Into that third round, you saw Vieira attack the takedown right away. That was a theme, obviously, of the night, as I've mentioned. Stolfutz is able to escape get back to his feet but Vieira so flexible jumps on Stuffield's back is able to trap the arm gets the left arm under the neck Stuffield starts to fall back and the tap is instantly happening from the rear naked choke a top level jiu-jitsu player who is really starting to get comfortable in the octagon opening up that main card in featherweight action, Billy Cortello versus Gabriel Benitez. Right away, the big right hand from Cortello scores the knockdown of Benitez. That overhand right was devastating. And he's able to spend most of that first round with the body triangle. That was the theme of the night. Benitez was not able to escape that body triangle from position from the back. And we rarely see this, but back in that position again in the third round, and we get the TKO, strikes from the back. You rarely see, when you're not down flattened, that the strikes will overwhelm, but the refs judged it as so. So much damage by Cortello, it, it was amazing. Couple of monster finishes on the prelims. Feature prelim, Daniel Rodriguez versus Preston Parsons. And it was a straight left from Rodriguez that had Parsons shook early. A left hook lands in the eye. The southpaw was doing some nasty work. Then it was the drab straight left and a right hook straight left that gets the knockdown. And Rodriguez gets the finish on the ground. In women's strawweight action, Amanda Lemoyce versus Monster. 
Estrada Ruiz. We knew that Ruiz, the wrestler, was going to be looking to press the action and come forward, and she did so a bit recklessly. I'm like, really recklessly, guys. Running forward, two right hooks, and then a left, the knockdown, face first, falling flat, and the ref is jumping in for the quick stoppage, and the night opened up with heavyweights, as we saw the Frenchman, Alan Boudot, against the Brazilian, Rodrigo Nascimento, and early on in the first round, it was Boudot. In the second round, Nascimento started getting the combinations going, going body and head, and gets the finish, getting the shot started with the body, finishing off the uppercuts to the hooks, the knockdown, and the ground and pound finish. It was a great win for Islam Mahachev. And you're going to be asking yourself, now what is next for the Dagestani fighter? You look at the rankings, he's 9. Where does he go from 9? Well, I like to go to 6. Not just like 3s, but because RDA and Islam were already supposed to fight. So why not have that Rafael Dos Santos matchup? We know that RDA is a hot name right now. He's in the news. The backstage scuffle or whatever it was interaction with conor mcgregor gave him a certain kind of notoriety again brought rda back into the news i mean unless you want to give islam an even bigger fight go up to tony ferguson number five and i know that the ferguson nurmagomedov matchup seemed to be jinx was cursed was just never going to happen this is a possibility to at least get them near each other in competition one more time tony ferguson maybe could find motivation in thinking he could crush his former rival's protege in the co-main event we saw misha tate get that victory and i already alluded to it it's the right move to make tate beats marion renault on a four-fight skid, yes, but Tate looked the best she ever had, and we know that she's a tough-level competitor. It seems a logical move to get right after it, put Tate on a pay-per-view card, and have the Holly Home rematch. That seems to be a simple business move. Now, if you're really looking to build up Tate and kind of taking this slowly, well, unfortunately, if you want to take this slowly, and yes, Renault, even with that four-fight skid, was ranked Number 12, that's a Pani Kinzad that is somewhere in the realm of saying that Tate would then match up with the winner of this weekend's Aspen Lad versus Macy Chisson co-main event. We will touch on that one here coming up a little more in just a moment. In the feature fight, you saw Matush Gamrat get that submission win over Jeremy Stevens. It was a split decision loss in this co-main event. It's now been a devastating knockout over a credible opponent. A wicked submission as the competition has gotten more notable. The, de the finishes are more devastating. I don't know if Gamrat is right there and able to fight Armin Tosharian or who he would match up with. But the Polish fighter is somebody that everybody needs to continue to pay attention to. At 115 pounds, we saw the devastating knockout from Amanda Lemoyne. She's number 14, 
right now. I don't know if you make the Chandra fight. Maybe it's just me. I'd like to see the Angela Hill fight because they're both strikers. And you know there is a possibility more. Tisha Torres, Michelle Watterson. So some interesting opportunities, I think, for some, for Lemoyche lay just ahead of her in the girls in the rankings. Stylistically, she's a big puncher, a bigger 115-er. So those will all be interesting matchups. And then as we look down to that feature prelim one more time, Rodriguez has looked stellar, has the name win, has got another finish over a guy he should have beaten. Do you put him against a guy coming off of a loss who is just right there on the cusp of the rankings, like a like a Jake Matthews quite possibly? Do you send him a little slower down? Do you maybe give him a Max Griffin? Griffin, just two big wins, three in a row. The big win over Carlos Condon, 170 pounds, is so stacked that that path is a little harder to navigate. But you got to love what D-Rod has been doing. Back to Brazil for LFA 112 on Sunday. A one-night, four-man welterweight tournament. Start off on the prelims where there were two alternate bouts. Quickly tell you... Wendell Gassimo defeated Erwin Carlos by unanimous decision. And Quimelo Atani defeated Junior Marquez by unanimous decision. So those would be how the alternates were expected to work. The main card kicked off with the actual welterweight semifinals. And we saw Gabriel Bonfi versus Brenner Alworth go into the third round. Bonfim, it seemed to be a little bit more accurate, a little bit more active in winning the scrambles throughout the night in the third round. It's a plethora of punches. He's getting it done with the hooks, clipping in the temple, some accurate shots, and gets the finish 30 seconds into that third round. The second semifinal of Diego Diaz versus Carlos Lea would only last a minute and 40 seconds as it was a straight right hand from Lea getting the job done and getting the one punch knockout. Then you would think that the finals are set. We're going to see Gabriel Bonfim versus Carlos Lea. The athletic commission would even approve that fight to be made. Interesting that I say even would approve. Right, guys? Well, as where the card continues, you see a dynamic submission finish from Diana de Souza beating Elaine Lopes. You saw Carlos Mota move up two weight classes, a flyweight fighting at 140 pounds, beats Jefferson Oliveira, who took the fight on just 48 hours. Notice some beautiful right hands from Carlos Mota, and man, 15 pounds up and was still grappling like a maniac. A crazy one-punch knockout with a left hook from KN Krushi defeating Junior Luez. Then we go up to Rafael Hemos versus Felipe Estevas. And what you see there is a TKO from ground and pound. Rafael Ramos looked incredible. The main event. And due to injuries, Gabriel Bonfim, feeling like he has concussion-like symptoms, he is not able to compete. Well, our turn tournament alternates, Wendell Guy Como, he is also not able to compete. And then, Quimel 
Altani is also medically disqualified. So the main event ends up being Erin Carlos versus Carlos Leia. And what we get is three rounds of a back and forth war, but it was Leia with the more powerful strikes. He got the takedown, had the top time, and walks away as the one night tournament winner. Carlos Leia improving to 14-3 with the two victories in the one night. He's had a victory in Bellator, and hopefully this will just take him to that next level. We know he wants to be in the UFC. Hit you high with some headlines. First off, UFC 266 is going to be September 25th. Championship doubleheader main event. The tough coaches will fight Alexander Volkanovsky, Brian Ortega. Co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko defending the women's flyweight title against Lucky Lauren Murphy. And we'll also get a rematch as the featured fight. It's the return of Nick Diaz against Robbie Lawler. That one is 17 years in the making. The UFC supposedly knew Conor McGregor had ankle issues before UFC 264, according to Conor McGregor. The UFC says yes, Conor has arthritis. The UFC also said and has been confirmed by Habib Nurmagomedov that recently he was offered a fight with Georgia St. Pierre, but has said, why can't we just both be legends? The PFL, as we're coming to the end of the 2021 season, has announced that they will be looking to expand into a prospect series and a pay-per-view series in 2022. Bellator 265 has been announced for Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That one's going to be on August 20th. Kansas Athletic Commission has announced they are no longer testing for cannabis. Jorge Gamebred Masvidal's Gamebred FC, his bare-knuckle MMA promotion, their second event will be taking place in Mexico. XFC 45 has been announced, and we'll see in the main event the finals of the welterweight tournament that would have set for August 6th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And this weekend, going to touch on it real quick. For you Bare Knuckle Boxing fans, Bare Knuckle FC 19 is this Saturday, July 23rd in Tampa Bay. For you Bare Knuckle Boxing fans, Bare Knuckle FC 19 is this Friday, July 23rd in Tampa Bay, Florida. The main event, you saw them battle out in the octagon now they meet in the bare knuckle circle it's Paige Van Zant versus Rachel Ostevich also in women's action on that card Taylor Sterling who was the star of the last bare knuckle major event takes on fellow MMA veteran Cassie Robb and ahead of us this weekend on ESPN and ESPN Plus, according to UFC.com, is UFC Fight Night Sanhagen versus Dillashaw, the number two ranking tenor in the world. Corey Sanhagen taking on his former training partner, the former 
world champion TJ Dillashaw returning to the UFC after having served his USADA suspension for a performance-enhancing drug, EOP. You know, the same thing that Lance Palmer was caught taking. Dillashaw feels that steroids really didn't give him... Well, excuse me. Dillashaw feels that the performance-enhancing drug really wasn't that much of an edge. Didn't give him that much of a boost compared to his normal performance. The UFC is giving him the opportunity to prove that it is such as he will take on Corey Sanhagen. Sanhagen, Walt Dillashaw has been serving that suspension. Has been absolute magic. His UFC debut was a body shot win over Austin Arnett. After that, it was a ground and pound finish of a veteran like Yuri Alcantara. Submitting Mario Batista with an arm bar was the last fight and the last time we saw John Lineker inside the octagon beat Rafael Sonsao. Yes, he did get caught back, taken, and submitted by Algermain Sterling, but has rebounded and a wheel kick to knock out Marlon Marais, a flying knee to knock out Frankie Edgar. The guy is a sniper, all so technical on his feet. Dillashaw, we know, a wrestling background, and that striking came along oh so much under Dwayne Bang Ludwig. Two killers going at it here who know each other well, who five years ago trained together. Well, Dillashaw was at his peak at the beginning of his first title run. Sanhagen was his main training partner. It'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. We also have on the card in the main in the co-main event women's bantamweight action number 10 rank Aspen Ladd takes on tough winner Mesa Chesson both have won four of five inside of the octagon feature fight number 14 rank bantamweight Kyler Phillips takes on Julian Paiva Paiva a very large bantamweight going up to 135 for the short notice opportunity big power for a 125er wonder how they'll translate at 135 Athletic, dynamic, explosive, creative. All of those are superlatives that I can use to describe Kyler Phillips. The kid is nicknamed The Matrix. And you can find out why if you look back at his last fight. His striking, oh so great. His jiu-jitsu, he's been doing that since he was like three years old. The kid is on the cusp of superstardom. A great martial artist to watch out for. A grinder versus grinder type matchup. That's at 145 pounds. Darren Elkins versus the Submission 8. It's Darren Minner. Minner, he can hit some funky submissions, but I don't know if he'll be able to stop the will of a grinder like Darren Elkins. Pivotal one at 125 pounds as Macy Barber, who was once thought to be on the fast track for superstardom, now on a two-fight skid, takes on Miranda Maverick who on the opposite has won her last two, four credible victories, a lot of positives when you look at what Maverick has done inside of the octagon. These last two wins coming over Jillian Robertson and Leon Hula. And before that, we were talking about wins over Pro Gonzalez 
and submitting Deanna Bennett. So at 125, this is going to give us a lot of insight into who the next female really is to watch right there. At 170 pounds, we see Jordan Williams, who on the Contender Series earned the contract at 185, go back down to 170 to take on Mickey Gall. At 185, Puna Soriano, seven of his eight wins are first round finishes, takes on Brendan Allen. Only one setback in the octagon for Allen, a former LFA middleweight champion coming off of a heel hook victory over Carl Roberson. Yes, he did get stopped by Sean Strickland, but we can't forget about knocking out Tom Breeze, submitting Kevin Holland, our Brennan Allen versus Puno Soriano. Right there, that is a fight to circle. Definitely one that you need to be intrigued by and could be fight of the night. At 135 pounds, both guys are on two fight win streaks. You got Randy Costa versus Adrian Yanez. Yanez, his knockouts in his last two wins inside of the octagon, a head kick of Victor Rodriguez, and a right hook of Gustavo Lopez. While on the other side, Randy Costa knocked out Journey Newsome and Boston Simons in his last two fights in the UFC. Both guys, big power for 135 pounders. Coming back after some time away, you have Julio Arceo taking on Andre Yule. Arceo, his two losses in the UFC, split decisions to Shaman Marais and Hakeem Dewanu. Both very talented strikers. But on the other side, we have an Arce who has submitted Daniel Tamor, a decision win over Dan Ige, and a knockout of Julian Rosa. Two split decisions. I think that there's something to prove from Arce. Well, on the other side, you got to feel the same way about an Andre Ull. His last loss to Chris Gutierrez. It exploited a vulnerability to leg kicks. His wins in the UFC, two of them over Irwin Rivera and Jonathan Martinez are both split decisions. So with it being a split decision, you were that close to being on the losing end of both, not to mention having been stopped by Marlon Vera before those two split decision victories. So I feel like these are two guys with chips on their shoulders and a lot to prove. So this is a big card, I feel like, at 135 pounds, the main event, and a ton of prospects looking to get recognized. Also looking to get recognized, making her UFC debut at 125 pounds. You're going to see Elise Reed, 4-0, CFFC champion, taking on Sajari Eubanks. Eubanks, even though her record reads 6-6 six and six in 12 fights, has wins over the likes of Julia Avila, of Sarah Marais, as Roxanne Mataferi, and as the number one contender at 125 pounds, Lauren Murphy. This is a return for Eubanks to 125 as she did not find success at the upper echelons of 135, dropping decisions to Caitlin Vera and to Penny Kenzad. A lot to prove will be the theme of this weekend's UFC Fight Night. Then on Sunday, there is an event on Sunday, UFC Fight Pass from Houston, Texas. It's Fury FC 48, and this card has a lot of familiar faces. Legacy FC LFA vet 
Levi Mouse in the co-main event takes on UFC vet Taruto Ishihara. Bellator vet Derek Compost faces UFC and PFL vet Bobby Moffitt in the feature fight. We've had a couple opportunities to interview him in the past. Keenan Jackson will step into the cage for his third professional fight. Not to mention, at heavyweight, you'll see Juan Adams back in action. And Alex Bet on Black, a longtime staple of Legacy FC. Also, Jonathan Gary, who I've been able to interview quite a few times. It is a huge card. We're looking at 15 fights and all. And you can check that out Sunday night on UFC Fight Pass. I appreciate you watching. Please hit the like button, like, share, and subscribe. Also, check out the podcast that's Cage Minds. The YouTube channel, obviously, if you're here watching this, it's Cage Minds MMA Show. Or if you're on Facebook, if you're not, it's Cage Minds Combat Sports News on Facebook. On Twitter, it's at Cage Minds MMA. And on Instagram, it's Cage Minds underscore CSN. Again, thanks for watching.